Hey guys, you're listening to the Tasha Labs podcast. It's been a very intense week in the market, both for the crypto and for the TradFi markets. And uh, I'm sure you are aware that Federal Reserve has uh, hiked the interest rate by 75 basis points this week. That was the FOMC meeting on Wednesday. And prices have been down, of course. And there has been a lot of drama going on. Um, including some of the largest lenders and uh, you know market players, investment firms in the crypto market going under this week. Um, I'm sure there are more to come. <laughs> so uh, it's been a lot of drama, a lot of intensity. So I hope you are at least uh, you know cutting yourself some slack and having a relaxing weekend like I do. Um, I'm sitting on my porch right now enjoying some sunshine while I'm talking to you, right? So uh, I haven't put out a video for uh, an episode for a while because I've been traveling um, mostly, mostly in Asia. I stayed in Singapore for a little bit and I actually held a party for like 200 people um, in, in like Web3 investors and, uh, um, you know, builders in the space that was great fun um, met a lot of interesting and very smart people uh, one thing one thing <laughs> I noticed though is uh, there's definitely more there was more investors than builders <laughs> and that that was probably not not limited to Singapore uh, in in the web web 3 crypto space right now but I expect that to change as as the bear market deepens, right? That ratio should go down. The investor to builder ratio should go down, which is a good thing for the space in the long term. But anyway, so um, what I want to talk about today is I'm not going to answer any specific questions, but rather um, I, I think I should give you an update on the market and on what I think is the outlook going forward and also the, you know, um, what was the prospect for for Web3 and crypto from my perspective, right, going forward? Of course, this is all my personal opinion. Um, you you take it or leave it. This is uh, none of this is investment advice as usual. So again, um, the first thing that let's let's look at the market. What's been going on, right? So um, as you know, 75 basis point hike this week, um, and uh, this is hardly the end of it, right? Um, Fed already said um, in their July meeting they are expecting to hike another you know 50 or 75 that's not decided yet um, still they, they want to be uh, flexible um, to respond to the economic situations going forward uh, some people say that uh, we are already in a recessionary scenario um, but if you look at so right now the, the the thing is if you look at the economic data right um, th th there is some mixed message there. So if you look at uh, things like, uh, uh, you know, consumer sentiment, for example, it's already like very low, right? So if you look at the PMI, which is the, uh, you know, manufacturing uh, producer manufacturing indicator, uh, that also, I think, recently dropped below 50, which is like entering the recessionary territory, right? So, but on the other hand, you see that wage and employment growth is still pretty strong. Um, you know, um, so, 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 but on, on the other hand, you can say that labor market is kind of a lagging indicator. But still, you know, um, I think it, like a, according to the current data, you can say like for like, Broadly speaking, the U.S. economy is still in a decent place, right? So um, you may not agree with me if you go to if you go shopping in the grocery store and you see all the prices have you know ha have soared so much, uh, wh which I know I understand, right? But still, um, y we are talking about. Um, after the huge stimulus of uh, over the past two years of pandemic. Um, the saving rate uh, in the United States is is at a um, it, it's it's at a pretty high level compared to historical average, right? So a lot of it you can argue is the is the money that that the, the government uh, airdropped to people's pocket, but nonetheless it's there. 
So saving rate is still pretty high, and the household balance sheet is still in a relatively good place. So, um, so all the inflation will hit consumption, hit demand, yes. Uh, but still, you know, we we are, we are not talking about we're not in the worst uh, spot yet at the current moment. So that's why I think the Fed says, um, from their perspective, the economy can take a lot more tightening than uh, where we currently are. So uh, you can agree with them, you can disagree with them, but that is their perspective for now. And that, that perspective is what matters for monetary policy going forward, right? So, um, and right now they're saying um, they expect to tighten well into 2023. Um, if you look at that projection for for interest rates, it's it's not like lighten up. Um, it will continue to increase in 2023. It's not lighten up until 2024, though these projections can change pretty quickly. But if you look at uh, in terms of uh, like uh, the the hard data of monetary policy, so far you you, you can see there there is a uh, shrinkage in liquidity. If you look at all indicators like money supply, M2, M0, um, you know the the balance of uh, of reverse repos, all of them are indicating that you know money supply is uh, is off peak already is on the decline, and uh, liquidity available in the market is on the decline. Uh, if you look at the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, the balance sheet peaked in I think somewhere in April 2022. Since then it's been on decline. It's been either flat or on decline. Um, of course these things uh, they fluctuate right but 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 the overall trend is they've been declining since April. And keep in mind uh, that that was when 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 the Federal Reserve hadn't announced a quantitative tightening yet. In April they they didn't announce right so uh, now they officially <laughs> they have officially uh, started at least they, they, they claim it's official claim uh, started uh, quantitative tightening which means uh, uh, they're not going to renew uh, lots of you know some of the asset purchases and potentially start selling assets um, so uh, nobody knows what, what 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 the pace of that will be. They didn't say, uh, but they they only said that that uh, quantitative tightening will be significant. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> significant. Um, how many trillion? How many billion is significant? I don't know. But that's that's what they said. Okay. So, but um, I, 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 as you see, it's uh, the the message as. You know, at least it, both in the data and in and from the message from the Fed, you can see that uh, um, it's 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 taking a turn. I wouldn't say a turn, but like taking it's taking a direction that is way more hawkish compared to a few months ago, right? Okay, so uh, this is where I want to look back and see some of my my, uh, you know, some of my expectations in the previous month, um, which I talked to you about in, in, the, in the previous episodes, um, about this year's, uh, you know, market and monetary policy, I, I want to, I want to talk about my previous expectations. And, and, and basically, let's, let's review some of the things that I got right, and some of the things I got wrong. Okay. So, what I, what I so so if you look up look back I, I think I put out a episode maybe some sometime in February um, I forgot but it, it was a, f a few months ago I talked about what I expect for this year right so basically it's very simple I expected a bear market <laughs> because um, because the, the the change change uh, of uh, of where the wind blows in in monetary policy. Okay, so I expected a bear market, and I expected uh, at at that time I expected we will first see a lot of uh, you know market volatilities uh, 
tilted to the downside, but uh, we will see significant downside volatility once the QT starts. So and at that time, I expect the QT to start in the second half of, uh, of 2022, right? So that was my expectation at the time. Um, I thought the market would decline in 2022, but I thought the major decline will come in the second half of the year. Um, at the time, the market already dropped you know, quite a bit uh, if we were talking about February. But at the time, I felt, uh, I figured the extent of the market drop was actually higher than the macro condition, the, the financial conditions or the tightness of financial conditions would have warranted. So at the time, I said I expected some sort of rebound because the drop was very fast. So we did got a rebound after the March FOMC meeting, if you'll remember, but that was a pretty quick and pretty short rebound. And I expected a bigger rebound than what happened, than, than what we got, um, but we didn't get a bigger rebound. So, um, so, so, so that was that. So basically we had a short rebound, but mostly it's downside volatility. And obviously, you know, since since the uh, May CPI comes out, since since this uh, since the June um, FOMC meeting, we had a lot more price drop. Okay, so basically, the bottom line is what I got right was this this year market is going to drop. Okay, which is. Uh, um, which at, at, at the time it, it, it looked pretty straightforward. But what I didn't expect was that it went so big, so fast, was pretty much very little rebound or much less rebound than I had expected. Okay. So we had, we had a little bit rebound, but it was short-lived. Okay. So um, that was that <laughs> for the past few months. Um, where do we go from here? So, um, if you, if, if your portfolio has, has, has dropped a, a lot, I know many people's portfolios have, have done ba badly recently, right? So, um, uh, you know, I, 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 all I can say is, I'm sorry, I hope you, um, you know, uh, at least to manage your manage your emotional state, um, um, take care of your physical emotional state. Uh, that's that's the most important thing, right? So, um, what where do we go from here? So that's that's the main thing I you know want to talk to you about um, today. You know, including in the short term and also in the long term. So. Right now, uh, we have the federal funds rate, which is like interbank. It's like the America's in, uh, like interbank uh, market rate um, at one point five. Okay, um, it it has uh, jumped quite a bit uh, since since the seventy five basis point hike um, this week. So, but but in any case, it's it's about one point five right now, and. Uh, um, according to the Fed, um, what they think the rate should be is over 3.5. Okay, so we have like uh, two two percentage points <laughs> to go. The direction is up <laughs> compared to what the Fed currently says they're trying to. Um, they're trying to target and 3.5 or or maybe e e even a little bit higher uh, that is like um, if you if you think about if you think they will increase rate by 0 0.5 or 0 0.75 every each you know each FOMC meeting that would be another three four times of hike uh, to get to 3.5 right so Will they do these uh, three or four times 
consecutively in every meeting going forward, or would they, you know, space it out? Let's say, you know, another 75 in July, and then take a pause and see how the economy take it, and then, you know, and devise their next step forward. I don't know. I think it, it would depends on the 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 inflation print in the coming month, right? Um, so, but, but, you know, but overall, I, I, I think, uh, what is, uh, definitely true is we are in a, um, micro environment that is, uh, going forward, that's going to have a more and more tightening of financial conditions and that direction, I do not expect it to change soon. Now, the, the, the pace of, uh, of how that, that tightening will go, that is a open question. Um, I, I, and and that, that pace may have some effect on the market. I will talk, in, I'll talk about this in a bit, okay? But, but the thing is, I, I, I think pretty much you, you can expect um, another 0.5 or 0.75 in July FOMC meeting. And then according to them, according to the Federal Reserve, they're going to, since they've aggressively tightened for two, you know, two months in a row, June, July. After that, they're going to reevaluate um, and, and, and see if, if they are going to do more in the short term. Um, so you, you, but, but, but you can, you know, you, you, you can think about, I, I think I would think about this way, okay? The overall direction of the financial conditions is going to be continued tightening. Um, you know, keep in mind, in addition to the, um, the, the monetary policy changes from, from the Fed, we also have ongoing, you know, inflation, um, high print of inflation, which is in itself a tightening of financial conditions because it, it's like, uh, you know, taking money out of your, it's literally like taking money out of your pocket, right? So um, you have to spend more money on the same amount of goods and services than before. That means you have less money to spend on other things. So that in itself is like uh, a tightening of demand conditions that will, you know, discourage um, demand from both companies and consumers. But anyway, let's say we have, um, if if we have if we have a um, tightening schedule um, going forward that is less than the market expected, um, let's say in in July instead of seventy five they tightened by fifty. Um, I don't know. I, I you know that that could be a possibility. Um, depends on the inflation rate, uh, you know, report for June, right? So, um, and also if, because after July, the next meeting is in September. So if in September, um, you know, the, 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 um, the monetary policy change, the tightening, um, the magnitude of tightening is less than what the market expected. For example, if, if the Fed tighten in, in July and they say, okay, we're going to take a pause because um, it's, it's been, you know, we've been tightened pretty fast and, you know, um, the market conditions, the financial conditions have been deteriorating pretty fast if they say we're going to take a break. Okay. And if market didn't, if that was uh, uh, not what the market expected, then we could see a rally, right? So um, it's all, I think it's all about the degree of, uh, you know, actual realized um, at this point, right? Because we are already on the path of tightening. That's that's without question. But what makes a difference is the degree of financial condition tightening compared to what the market expects at the time. If it's uh, less severe than the market expected, then we will have uh, we will very likely have a you know have a rally. Um, but you know, um, the thing is that doesn't change any kind of, uh, any kind of, uh, you know, overall direction though. 
that's the thing. That's a that's the tricky part, right? So, what do you do if you if you get a rally? Do you do you do you try to do you try to buy in and kind of uh, you know try to try try to sculpt some gain out of it, or do you stay out? That 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 is the thing. I that is a choice that you know I I don't have any advice on. That's that's your own personal choice, okay? But it's a pretty difficult. Uh, uh, you know, situation. Unless you're just a trader and that's all you do, you know, day in and day out. If you're like kind of, uh, you know, medium to long-term investor, and um, you know, given the situation, you know, it's especially psychologically, you know, a lot of people have lost a lot of money. So if you get a bear market rally, it it will be very tempting. <laughs> To 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 jump in and uh, recoup some of your losses, right? But then it it becomes very tricky because I, I I think overall it's still that kind of move. It's like you're still going against the market overall trend because the overall trend is continual tightening. Okay, um, even if short term you have some you know rallies because of you know instigated by by the mismatch between between the magnitude of market expectation of tightening and the actual magnitude of tightening so so but but it's uh, like a kind of tricky to think about when you should get out in that situation <laughs> right so i don't have the answer uh that that's uh that's a that's a pers personal choice but at, at least uh uh what what i what i want to point out to you my point is uh it's it's kind of a tricky situation because uh, it's very hard to time in that kind of rally. It's very hard to time when you, when you're supposed to get out um, when you know when you know the overall trend is still going down, right? <laughs> so um, so yeah. So uh, and and uh, what so what do I expect the kind of uh, capitulation, the so-called capitulation, or the directional change of monetary policy will happen. Um, again, uh, you know, it depends on it depends on how the inflation wind blows, right? So right now, you heard the Fed says they are very adamant in terms of capping inflation. Right now, what they're really, what they're worried about is the wage inflation spiral up, right? Because um, once you have the, the the tricky thing is once you have high higher inflation for a while it kind of it kind of adjusts like people's expectation needs to adjust it will affect the negotiation of wages and salaries right and then people will go to their employer and say look inflation going up wages have to increase right and then once you increase wages it kind of goes in the cycle connect to inflation right you you inflation goes up and then people's expectation changes like expect higher inflation and then the negotiated wages increase and then that wages feeds into the you know cost of goods and services and propels the, another round of inflation right and then the next thing you know you have this uh you you have a much higher equilibrium rate of inflation because you have this loop of you know, higher wages feeds into higher inflation, and higher inflation feeds into higher wages, right? So, so uh, right now they are very worried about this kind of uh, you know feedback mechanism kicking into gears. So they really want to clamp down the demand side in order to cool the economy. Of course, they won't say, um, you know, they won't come out and say out loud that that we 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 are going to push the economy into a recession, but. I think very likely that's what they've got to do because uh, um, they really want to push the inflation not just down, but make sure the thing is dead. <laughs> okay, so they're gonna you know stomp on inflation and stomp on some more, even after the thing is dead, just to make sure the thing is dead. <laughs> okay, so um, that that's basically the the intention. That that's the intention they have right now. So, um, so uh, my point is, what what does that mean? That means you the the monetary policy is going to overshoot, very likely. I think it's it's going to be the, a situation that um, if they can 
have an effect on inflation, and that brings inflation down. And then they will continue maintain a tightened stance, or even tighten even more. Um, you know, more than what's necessary. Um, I, I think that's that's uh, something very very likely to happen. Not to mention that there is a huge component of this that they cannot the the monetary policy just cannot control, right? So. One of the reasons that the the tightening cycle has been going so like changing so fast、um, in the first half of this year, and the market prices have been dropping like a stone so fast, is because we got like really several several shocks that we didn't see coming. I didn't see coming, right? <laughs> so we got the Ukraine war. Um, we got the China thing, right? China is still, you know,、um, Shanghai still on lockdown, and there, you know, new cases coming up. Who knows when when this lockdown is going to end? And that, you know, push pushes and you know tightens the su- supply chain even more.、Um, so 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 basically, you have these、uh, you know extra shocks that. People didn't expect at the beginning of the year because you know towards the end of last year,、um, inflation was actually coming down a little bit. So it was indeed sort of going in the direction of being transitory, like the Fed said, right? So, but then it went back up because、um, you know、um, to to a large extent because of these、uh, extra shocks that that we had this year. So,、um, are we so so if it, so. You 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 can look at looking forward. You can you can say that the food energy cost situation is not going to resolve itself anytime soon, because we still have a war going on, and that situation is not it's not going to change very soon.、Um, and then we have a you know undersupply, underinvestment of energy sector issue. Though I'm not an energy expert, okay, I I don't know how severe that. Situation is,、uh, you know, according to some people, that's very secure. That's very severe. Uh, uh, the the you know the the underinvestment and undersupply of oil and gas sector. But but you know, everybody from it, everybody is talking from their own perspective, and and they have their own portfolio, and that sometimes. You know, bias you towards one direction or another, right? It's not necessarily that people want to take a biased perspective, but it's just psychologically. I'm sure you experience this personally too, right? Once you once you take a stance, once you take a position in a portfolio, psychologically, you know, you like a you're more inclined to defend that position, whether it's valid or not. Like when I listen to a lot of energy bulls. Very like a lot of them will, you know, it's like downplaying the demand factor because you know, you 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 if you if you have energy prices inflation pri- inflation going up so much, you're gonna destroy demand, right? So when de- demand comes down, theoretically that 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 will bring bring、uh, that will put put a downward pressure on prices as well. If you listen to the energy bulls, this is something that. I wouldn't say they totally dismiss, but they don't take into account as much, right? So,、uh, all these like macro variables, they are、uh, the macro.、Uh, the macro equilibrium is affected by so many factors, right? So, if you kind of put a little bit more weight on one factor instead of another, you're gonna reach some. You know different conclusions, so that's why you 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 hear you you a lot of times you hear these macro commentators. You know, one of them will tell you one thing, the other one will tell you something else. It's not that they do not see the point of the other parties. It's but it's a lot of times it's like people p- putting different weights into different factors, and that is a. Unfortunately, a lot of times it's a very subjective judgment call. <laughs>、um, 
so so yeah so um unfortunately macro is not a exact science but um so that's why i'm telling you this is my perspective um but i'm i'm not saying that that i'm you know 100% right as i said in the previous section you know i i you know i told you a bunch of things uh in february what i expected and some of them was right and some of them was wrong okay the most wrong thing is I did not uh, expect it will go down so fast and so to such a severe extent. Okay, um, and especially in crypto, you know, um, right now we are in, in well in the face of uh, you know triggering a bunch of liquidations and you know domino effect, um, you know, uh, forced sellings in the market, which is abundant these days. Because I think at, the, at these prices, you, you, you don't have, unless you're like really, really panicking, right? If you can manage, th these are not, if you're like a long-term investor uh, in like uh, any of the large cap tokens, this like uh, we are not at, the, at a price level that you, you would voluntarily sell, right? So if you can manage, if this is like uh, if you do not need the money, if you do not need the liquidity, why would an investor, you know, after going through the, you know, previous cycles, right now the price is lower than the previous cycle high, right? Why would anybody, if they can manage, sell at this price? So, but a lot of selling is either you're panic selling or you are forced, um, you, you are being forced into liquidation because you took on leverage. So, um, I, I don't see that situation. I don't see that situation, um, you know, res re resolve um, anytime soon in terms of the, you know, the general direction of macro. So basically, the bottom line is I'm not expecting the macro policy capitulation for the remainder of this year. Um, you may get, we may get more and more, um, you know, um, uh, you know, recessionary signals, uh, recessionary price, um, uh, recessionary, um, you know, data for like a different uh, indicators. But, but, but again, I, I, I think uh, the Fed is going to, um, trying to overshoot. Um, so, so that's why I do not expect that general direction of macro policy of monetary policy to change for the at least the remainder of this year and may well be the next 12 months I think um, so um, so 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 yeah and and eventually you know if if the if the energy and food situation does not resolve if they like the Fed is managed to bring demand down but you know they can only do so much demand side can only do so much right so if if the energy and food prices remain elevated and they cannot resolve that, uh, the last resort will be they, you know, eventually raise the inflation target from 2% to something like 3%. I don't know. But that's like eventually, eventually, that's like last resort, <laughs> right? And that's not definitely not going to be soon and definitely not going to be this year. Okay. So, um, but they they already they kind of already opened the door to uh, to monetary policy not being entirely effective. Um, of course, it's not entirely effective. But they have come out and said it. Uh, the Fed, you know, if you listen to the press conference of uh, of Powell, he said, um, you know inflation is not totally within the Fed control because the Fed cannot control. The energy costs cannot control the food costs, and those are big items in the headline inflation. And the inflation target is on the headline, not on the core inflation. Okay, so he's already said it. The implication is there is so much we can do. Okay, so if there comes a day that they have done whatever they can, but still inflation remains higher than the two percent target, what can they do? Well. You know, at that point, you can say, "Okay, this extra part is not within our control." That's that. Therefore, 
the right thing to do is to increase the target because we realize given the supply conditions of energy and food, we may need a different, it may imply a different inflation equilibrium. So, the, but but that, we, I think we, we, we still have a long way to go before things come down to that. Okay. So I'm not expecting capitulation for, for the rest of 2022. That's, that's the bottom line. So where does crypto go from here? Uh, so uh, the other day I posted um, something on Twitter uh, comparing the current market cap of crypto to like a current trajectory of uh, price movement to, um, to, to the 2000.com bubble burst. Okay. So if you, if you think the two scenarios are comparable, which I think is, I, I, I think it, you know, you can argue, okay, do we, people also said the 2017, 2018 cycle was the dot-com bubble burst for crypto. But I think that what that previous wave was too small. Crypto didn't have as much adoption at the time. And the total mark, you know, the total adoption user base is much smaller than what we have now. I think right now, if you look at the data, you know, um, I, I, I think about half billion, uh, you know, uh, users, you know, give or take 150 million, maybe. <laughs> Um, of, of crypto um, products, um, it's, it's, it's a much closer to, to the kind of adoption, internet adoption around the time of dot com um, compared to the previous crypto cycle. Okay, so, and, and, and also the previous dot com bubble burst was also triggered by monetary tightening. And, and, and actually, it was not. It, it, but the tightening was not as aggressive. I don't think it was as aggressive as what we are having now. Okay, but in any case, I think we are. That that's why I I think the two scenarios is kind of comparable. <laughs> um, but you may argue there's a lot more leverage in the crypto market now compared to the two thousand in in the stock market in Nasdaq. Um, but let's just say, let's, let's just say if, if we compare the two, right? Um, if you compare the magnitude of price drop of crypto to dot com in 2000, then we have another 50% drop. <laughs> I'm talking about the total crypto market cap. Okay. So we have about, um, the market cap right now is about $900 billion. So if we assume the similar similar magnitude of price drop um, to the 2000.com bubble burst, then that implies the market total market cap will need to drop another 50% to reach the level of dot-com burst. Okay, I'm not saying that's gonna that's what's gonna happen. I'm just saying if you compare these two that I think are quite similar scenarios, that's what you get like another 50% of drop in crypto market cap. So what, what does that mean for the price level? So if you look at, the, um, um, uh, you know, obviously the biggest token is Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? That's like a huge chunk of, uh, of the market right now. Bitcoin dominance is about 40%. Oh, no, 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 it's 45%. So it's like Bitcoin is about 45% of total market cap of crypto. And the rest are um, other tokens, right? Which um, much smaller market cap potentially can drop a lot more. So you could have, so, so to achieve 50% drop in total crypto market cap, it would mean, it could be that Bitcoin needs to drop another 40% of rest and the rest of the tokens, non-Bitcoin tokens, drop another 60%. That could be a scenario. Or you could have Bitcoin drop 30% and the rest of the tokens collectively, you know, obviously some will drop more than others, but the rest, non-Bitcoin drop collectively 70% in value. I'm just, I'm just saying these are different combinations. Of course, a, a variety of combinations in between, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> that could get you a fifty percent of uh, of uh, of drop in 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 total market cap of crypto. So um, and 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 a lot of tokens are not going to survive um, because. <sighs> Because it's something that I I want to I want to talk about in a sec. Okay, but we are kind of running out of time. But um, but but the next thing I want to talk about is uh is the long term, is the long term prospect of of crypto and Web three space because uh. You are saying you you are seeing a lot of people. Obviously, right now market dropped so much. And uh, people who are against crypto are very happy. They're like, I told you so, right? I told you the thing is all a scam. The thing is not going to last. It's all speculation, a bubble, and so, so on and so forth. So um, it, my, my, my view about this is that those people, they are right in a lot of respect, okay? Um, because there is indeed a lot of speculation, um, a lot of fluff, and including a lot of scams, a lot of you know opportunistic behaviors going on in the Web three space. And the reason being, we have tokenization, and which is like an ideal low cost instrument for 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 you know financial speculations. Okay, but tokenization is also the superpower of Web three. Because, you know, obviously people use the, the, the term Web3 very liberally, <laughs> right? If you, but if you actually go ask people, what, is, what, what does Web3 mean to you? I think you will, like, uh, if you ask different people, they will give you different answers, depending on their personal background and which will influence their perspectives, right? So it will mean different things to different people. So when I think about this, to me, you know, f from my point of view, the the reason I am bullish about Web three, about the so-called Web three, I'll tell you what this means to me. Okay, Web three, what it means to me is the tokenization of everything. Period. <laughs> So um, it may or may not involve decentralized blockchain. It, you know, it, it may or may not involve decentralized governance structure like in so-called so DAOs, which to a large extent does not make sense to me. A lot of these governance mechanisms, which, which is, I, I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can govern by just, you know, having people vote on things. Um, at you know, at, at at least a for not for majority of the uh, pr pr production activities, or I, I for the majority of you know companies and co-ops or you know nonprofit or government organizations in the world, it's very very difficult to actually you know govern anything, make any decision by you know ma mass mass voting. It, it the cost is enormous and the 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 the, the level of decision making is is you know uh, i i just i just don't think that's going to be a very very uh, that's going to be a very quality decision making process um but you know this is not about that we can go into that in another episode in terms of you know Who's taking the risk in the in in the decision making? Who's who's taking the responsibility in the decision making and taking the, you know, the power of execution, and why why does that not why does that not fit into kind of the doubt model? But that's for another day. But right now, let's just say, to me, uh, the biggest pro, the biggest uh, you know selling point, the superpower of Web three is tokenization. And the fact that what what does that mean is that it it makes it the blockchain the public blockchains because it's permissionless to access right and it's also a worldwide network it makes it so easy to create 
uh, some kind of like a tokenization system, and to exchange one token system with another system using the same unified standard. Um, so if I have a you know um, if I have a token for my company for 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 Soundwise, you know. I can have a you know community token for Soundwise that can exchange for you know some other for, for some airlines uh, you know tokens um, you know on the secondary market, and because they're all on the same unified standard and there is a worldwide market for that, that is very very powerful. Um, so so to me, I actually wrote about this you know last week in in the article that I put out on my website. I'll link to the article in the description. Okay. So basically, what I said is um, the one of the superpower of tokenization is it gives any kind of latent values in society a explicit expression, and not only that, make that value liquid, give that uh, expression liquidity, and allow it to be exchanged with other things of value, just like in other you know. Uh, you know, in our other any any market system, so a lot of things that you you can uh, you can think of that in you know in 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 our in your daily life that has value but has no expression or a market price because it's very hard to track them, very hard to you know express those values in some kind of database or in some kind of representation that will allow you to trade those values for other things. So if you cannot trade, then you do not have an expression of value, right? So it's very hard. Um, so, so and, and you know, of course, tokenization is not a new thing. You have, you know, if you go to, um, if you go to like Costco, <laughs> Walmart, you, you, if you're a long-term customer, you earn points is like your, you know, essentially it's loyalty discount, right? You go to an airline, they give you points to airline miles uh, to encourage you to be loyal to the airline. So you have these pockets in society, um, uh, in, in like uh, closed end systems that already have tokens. Okay, what what is tokens? Just a database. Okay, it's a database of registering value. Right, so um. So you already have these. So 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 tokenization is not a new thing. What is new here is you now have the possibility of a unified standard for all the tokens. And then you have a market that is worldwide. That that has no borders and no walls. And that is very, very powerful. So um and a lot of things can 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 take advantage of that. I, I, I think if if that th if the potential of that unified tokenization standard, unified market, and very you know cheap cost of creating kind of tokenization system, if that if that potential, which is I think is the Web 3s potential economically, can if that potential is realized, that's gonna create another layer of GDP because because you create because you give another layer of because you give um you know, hidden hidden values, latent values in society, explicit expressions. And you're going to encourage the production of those values because of the liquidity and, uh, you know, uh, and, 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 and the tokenization that created out of it. So that is going to create new industries, new GDPs, and new professions, and, and, and allow people to have more stream of income sources. And that is going to also have large implications in terms of income distributions, especially capital income distributions in society. All right, some of those I have talked about before. But really, to me, that is the immense potential of Web3. And to me, that is the that's what differentiates Web3, quote unquote, if you know, that's this popular name, popular term that we have now. That's what differentiates Web3 from, you know, ultimately from, from what we had before, uh, which is just the, the internet that we, as we know it today. Okay, so some other people, they, 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 they may say, okay, well, um, they, they, they think the Web3 means like a decentralized, uh, you know, production of resources, uh, so on and so forth, or decentralized, decentralized deci decision making. 
I don't see it. I don't see that as a defining characteristic of a new, of a new generation of internet. Because that that to me is just a extension of Web two. Because you already you know if you if you look at the successful applications of Web two era, there's already a lot of decentralization going on. You you you're talking about decentralization of resources. You if you if you rent a house, <laughs> if you rent a place to stay on Airbnb, that that's already decentralized decentralized real estate real resources, right? That created the market for decentralized real estate. <laughs> that that's already de decentralization. Uber it already decentralized the uh, um the 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 uh, uh, automobile vehicle you know resources to a larger extent. And you know, so so all these marketplaces, like social media, decentralized content creation, right? Decentralized media. So depends on how your perspective. I, to me, that's I think those those are already decentralization, right? And you're talking about a blockchain. Okay, decentralized database. Now databases is hosted by you know a network computers around the world. To me, that's a, just an extension of what we already have on the internet. <laughs> so. It's like uh you know push it push it one more step further so so what <laughs> so um to me that's not the defining characteristic of this new era the new era what i think is new and groundbreaking is tokenization is is the kind of tokenization that has unified standard and unified worldwide market that is that you know that is going to mobilize a lot of values okay but that that's my perspective so, but on the other hand, because of tokenization, you also create so much more opportunities for financial speculation, right? That's the whole thing about all the hypes in crypto market, all this like cycles and boom and bust are going up like 500% and drop another 90%. It's, it's like a, if you don't have tokenization, you will not have this <laughs> kind of problem or the kind of frenzy, right? Or the kind of opportun opportunism and the kind of like uh, the, the extent of like uh, scams and, uh, you know, frauds that's going on in crypto. So that's the side effect of tokenization is you financialize so many things, then you create like a much heightened market volatility than the actual innovation on the ground would, would warrant, okay? So that is the downside. The other downside is that goes back to, you know, we're talking about like uh, most of the tokens, a lot of the tokens, they're going to zero, right? Why? <laughs> because there is not a product behind. So I talked about this in, in my last article as well. So I, I think you, you look at 95% of crypto products today. It's really the the, there, 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 there is not much of an underlying creation of value aside from the fact that it has a token and that token is driving a lot of uh, pseudo adoption that is not going to stick, that, that is only there because price goes up. Um, but the product in itself does not create much economic value, okay? So if you take that token away, so. I, I think a test of this would be if you take the token away, does that product still have any value? Would anybody still use that and use it for what? Um, and if you look at that from that perspective and you look at, okay, um, does, does most of the play to earn games have any value? You know, Axie Infinity, if you take the token away, who, how many people will play Axie? You know, it's not, uh, in terms of just the quality of game, right? So, um, and and also, you know, countless, countless other examples in crypto. So, the so the, so my point here is uh, tokenization. It it kind of uh, gives this give because it's a business model that is so powerful. And the so-called love like a uh, current day Web three businesses. Web3 projects because of this pair of crutches, right? Because th this, these crutches are so good, the tokenization <laughs> crutch. 
It hides the fact that the product itself cannot stand on itself. Okay, so 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 then you know when you have a market downturn, when the central bank changes the, you know changes changes direction, that crutch is no longer then is no longer there, then the whole thing collapses. So, so 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 and also when the crutch is there, it hides the fact. That the person actually can't walk, right? So, cause you're you're relying on these like you're relying on wheelchair a wheelchair or a pair of crutches to actually move you forward, right? You for for a minute it looks like okay this crutch is like tokenized tokenization. So for a minute it you know in the in the bull market it it looks like you're walking just fine, but when once you take that instrument away, it's like you realize okay this person just collapsed. They they obviously have not learned how to walk, okay. <laughs> so that's the downside of uh, tokeni like uh, introducing tokenization, even though it's very very powerful economic model. But once you introduce that to a product that has not actually gained its, you know, ha have not gained have not earned its market share, have not earned its place in the market. Then it hides the fact that this is actually a non-product, right? So it's actually not a good thing for product development from that perspective because it gives you the wrong signal. It mistakenly tells you, "Oh, look, I have so many users now. I have a lot of adoption to to the product," but it hides the fact that those are not real, and it gives you the wrong signal in terms of, you know, where to where. Like what direction you you should you should develop the mark uh, the product, so. So so to me, I'm mega bullish about the tokenization model of Web three. I'm just not, I I, I'm just like not, <laughs> not mega bullish about about the current uh, application layer of of the Web three economy, <laughs> and I don't think uh, a lot of it is gonna stick. Okay, so. Um, but 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 I think if there is if there are existing businesses and existing products and services that are already creating a actual value value in the marketplace and already having a product or services that has the market demand, then the tokenization can be a super powerful tool. And so. I I think that's the so 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 what I'm saying is <laughs> I expect the next wave of crypto, the so-called Web three product, will will integrate more a lot more tightly with traditional products and services that actually has been tested in the market. Okay, and and then and then you know you add tokenization on top, it's going to be you know it, it's going to be creating you know. A rocket fuel. It will be a rocket fuel to the rocket that is already a rocket, <laughs> but it cannot make a piece of. It cannot make a make make a rocket out of a piece of crap. <laughs> so, um, that that's my that's my perspective on on the long term uh, prospect. I don't think crypto is dead. I don't think Web three is dead. I definitely, um, I definitely see you know, a lot of uh. There will be you know, new waves of innovation of Web three products, but you know, uh, we we tried a lot of things in this in this cycle. Most of them did not succeed, but you know, there there will be there will be new things, new experiments, and new integrations because this is a really really powerful economic model. Okay, and blockchain allowed that to happen by creating this network that's worldwide that has a unified standard that that is without borders. Um, but what would it end up be? Would it end up be, uh, you know, public blockchain? W would that be the, uh, you know, global database has that has universal standards? I I don't know. I don't know if if the infrastructure layer will be will will continue, um, will stick, um, for 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 the next twenty years down the road, um. Because most of the infrastructure, blockchain infrastructure we have today, you know, the, the layer one, layer two of the world, they're not very performant. Okay. Um, 
will will we invent something else that has better performance, but also you know share the same permissionless um, you know uh, uh, feature that the open the open feature of the blockchain global blockchain network that we have today? I don't know. It's it's a possibility. It could be that twenty years from now, what we call decentralized ledger or the blockchain platforms will be totally different compared to w the concept that we have now. So, um, but anyway, we've we've uh, you know clocked in an hour. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's going on a little bit long because I because I haven't uh, pushed out an episode for 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 a while. So um, apologize for for running long a little bit long on that um, but but you know final final thing um, I want to remind everybody is that um, the biggest asset <laughs> I, I you know so no no matter uh, how much or how much money or how much uh, how how lack of money you 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 you, you know you you're 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 in right now i think the biggest asset in anybody's life i think this applies to most people okay um is yourself ultimately that you are the best resource you you yourself is the gift that will keep on giving okay if you lost money in this cycle what what will make it back in the future? You, even if your net worth is negative, even if your net worth is zero, as long as you have the capital, as long as long as, long as you have the asset that is you, you always have an opportunity to make it back in the future. So so really, and this is the asset that you know no monetary policy can take away from you, right? So I would really uh, remind everybody, you know, especially in the downturn, now that you don't have to check prices every day or every five minutes because uh, it's, it's just going to be depressing, right? <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity to actually take more time in investing in yourself, investing in new skills, you know, investing in even investing in investing, you know, investing in knowledge to become a better investor. Or if you like, if you're a trader, invest in skills to become a better trader. Um, and if you, you know, if the Web3, uh, you know, industry is, is a direction, it's like a career direction you want to go then improve your tech skills, right? Uh, improve your programming skills. Even as an investor, it will help you if you can actually code, right? If you actually at least can read code. So, um, oh my God, there's so many things to learn, <laughs> right? If you want to improve the prospect of your investment returns in the future, uh, even just from that angle, from like a gaining more capital return in the future angle, um, I think that's the wisest thing to do is to invest in yourself, not, not to mention the labor income part. Right? <laughs> so, um, especially, you know, if you're, um, if you, so I, I don't know like how old you are, but you know, usually people listen, people who are, who listen to my podcast, usually they are like between 25 and 45. Okay, that's like maybe like a 95%, 90% of my um, readers, I would say. So you still have a long life ahead of you, right? So like to me, personally, my goal is to live to 120 years old, which means, you know, I, I really got to plan ahead <laughs> because that, uh, you know, I... I will aspire to, I will aspire to live to the day to see that robots be given human rights. <laughs> so, um, but 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 that also means you know, if if I want to live to 120 years old, that means I have like a, at least a two, three, two or three at least, two or three careers, like uh, ahead of me, right? So because I don't want to sit idle on the beach. Even if I 
even if I have the resources to do that, I don't want to do that. <laughs> that just does not sound like fun. So I, I will be looking at, uh, you know, two or three careers ahead of me if, if, I, if, if my goal is to live to 120 years old, which I expect to be a lot of fun. <laughs> but it also means that I need to, like, invest crazy in my own, you know, human capital, right? So, so even if you don't aspire to live to 120, if you're like, I, 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 I'm not, I, I don't think the human life is all that interesting. If I live to 70, 80, I'm done. <laughs> that's way more than enough for me. That's, that's fine. But still, that is a lot. Okay. <laughs> that is a long life. So uh, you have a lot of days ahead of you. And, 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 and I think if you want those days to be fulfilling, to be enjoyable, um, no matter what, what your net worth situation is right now, no matter what your you know, bank account looks like right now, I think the best investment really is in your human capital, is in your you know, mind and spirit and body. And uh, that, is, that, is the, that, that is ultimately the way to, to, to live a long and fulfilling life, you know, um, uh, regardless of the size of your, of your bank account. Uh, anyway, uh, that is all for today. I will talk to you next time.